I got my notes right here. Hebrews 6, 1 through 2. I had it plugged in. But you can plug in one end, and if the other end isn't plugged in, it does you no good. All right? There's a sermon illustration there also. All right? Well, that's a good sermon illustration. I'll hold on to that one. All right. Hebrews 6, 1 through 2. That's where I need my readers. No, I'm just kidding. I ain't that old. Therefore, sorry if somebody's old in here and they do use readers. That was really offensive. Wow. I repent. I repent. All right. Sorry. Hebrews 6, 1 through 2. See, church can be fun, all right? Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles, this is what we've been in, talking about the blueprint, going back to the basics, the elementary principles. When you're in elementary school, you learn the basics, the ABCs, how to count one through 10, okay? We, some of us, we just skipped. I'm one of them. We just skipped right past the elementary principles when we got into the church, I missed some of these elementary principles, and I know most of our church, we probably missed some of these. So we've been going back these past few weeks and making sure we got a firm foundation to build upon. That's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to build a firm foundation. That's how he's going to build his church. He's the cornerstone, and upon this rock, he's going to build his church. So let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms. We talked about that last week. If you missed that sermon, go back and watch it. Baptisms, it is plural. Guess what? In the Greek, it's plural. In English, it's still plural. It's the same thing. Of the laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Today, we're going to talk about the laying on of hands. Before that, though, there's another verse. I, I didn't put this one in. Ephesians 2, verse 20. This is important for us as we're talking about we're building this foundation. I read this one last night, and I just felt like, man, we need, we need to hit on this one again today. Of course, I was reading in my King James Version, and that one looks a lot different. There it is. Ephesians 2.20. Together, we are his house. We are his house. You house his holiness. When you repent and you give your life to Jesus, you become a temple of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. If you haven't done that, you can do that at the end of service today. Come forward, come find us. Say, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. We have ministry time at the end of every service. And, and ministry time is not a time where sometimes in, in the West, in the Western church, we look at people coming forward for prayer or for ministry time. We look at that and we say, that's weakness. I don't want to be weak. No, 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 no. There is strength. There's empowerment. When you turn to the cross, when you come to the foot of the cross, there's an empowerment that takes place. There's a filling of his Holy Spirit within you. No, 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 it's weak to try to live life on your own. But when you repent and you turn back to Jesus, you are filled with his Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So don't believe the lie of the enemy. When you get to the end of a service and you feel that nudge of the Holy Spirit, it might happen to you today. There's some of you in here today, you know, I need to turn back to Jesus. I need to give my life to him. Don't just say, oh, I'm gonna do it you know, on my own because it's just my own personal relationship with Jesus. That is a lie from the Western church also. You can just have your own personal relationship with Jesus. You don't really need the church. No, no, no. 
Jesus died for the church. Jesus said, don't give up gathering together, okay? You need the church. The enemy wants you to believe you can do it on your own. You can just kind of have, oh, I just have church on my own. I just, I, I do communion at home and I watch a church online and I, I eat a graham cracker and I drink a little juice and that's my communion. No, 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 that's a lie. Don't believe that lie. I'm not coming down hard on you. I'm just, I'm telling you because I love you and I don't want you to believe that lie anymore. You need the church. There are people in here that will testify to the power of what happens when you come together and you gather. Where there's two or three or more gathered, there is power in his presence. We've been talking about that these past few weeks. If you've been to Tuesday night prayer, you've seen the breakthrough that keeps happening. It's because you're not just sitting at home isolated by yourself. No, no, no. It's because you're setting aside time to go and be with the Father in the presence of his sons and daughters. And guess what? There is power in the room when we come together. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We're his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That's why we keep going back in this series to what the apostles did in the book of Acts. They laid out a framework They laid out a solid foundation for us. But for some reason, we've taken it upon ourselves in modern times to say, oh, we can build a better foundation. We we can build a better church. We can build a more seeker-sensitive church, a more seeker-appropriate church. No, no, no. We build on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. We build on the foundation of what they did. That is what we're building here at Revival. There's other churches that are, you know, more appealing, you know, better coffee. You know, actually, we got pretty good coffee, you know, but they got the lights and they got the sounds, and that, that's great. That's okay. But someday we may add some of that stuff and whatever. It doesn't matter. All that matters is what kind of foundation we're building on. If we don't build a firm foundation right now, none of that other stuff will matter. There's some churches out there that that's all they're building on, and they haven't put the foundation in. Those houses do not last. Those houses fall. We're building the house the way he wants it, not the way we want it. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Even the fact that you're here today, you're carefully being joined. If you choose to be planted in this house, there's intentionality behind that. God wants you here in this house for a reason. He's called you into this house. You're being carefully joined together, called to be a part of this house. And when you do that, there's something powerful that is taking place. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. God lives in this house. Where we are, where we walk, we are temples of his presence. When we gather on a Sunday morning, he is here with us. So now let's get on to the laying on of hands. We see it here in Hebrews, and we see it all throughout Old Testament and New Testament. We'll start Old Testament. Deuteronomy 34, verse 9. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses... Moses was the leader. He led the people through Exodus, out of Egypt, 
through the wilderness. And then when Moses was about to pass on, Joshua was going to take on the mantle of leadership. Here's what happens. Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. There was an impartation that took place. So the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. There's an impartation that can take place through the laying on of hands. You can make this just a ritual. You can just say, oh, we just do this to do this. We just do this because the church before us did this or the leaders before us did us, and you lose the faith. No, 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 we have faith that when there's a laying on of hands, there's a transference of power that is occurring because the Bible tells us so. That's what we put our faith in. Joshua and the people, they had faith that there was something powerful that took place when Moses laid his hands on Joshua and prayed over him. There was an impartation that happened. That's why we do ministry time at the end. That's why we do ministry time on Tuesday nights. There's something powerful that occurs when somebody lays hands on you and prays. Why do you think the devil loved COVID? Like the devil loved COVID, right? Because he wanted to get people separated. He wanted to get you six feet apart. He wanted to get you not, he knows that there is power in the laying on of hands. He wanted to get you so wrapped up in that that you're like, oh, I'm too worried about germs. You're missing out on the power of the Holy Spirit, the impartation that can take place. He wants to kill and choke out the spirit from the church. That was his strategy. That's why it's so important for us to get back to the foundation and the framework that he gave us in Hebrews because the devil tried to get the church off course in 2020. But we're correcting. We're getting back on course. We're getting back onto the foundation that he laid for us as a church. Acts 6, verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, in the early days of the church. There was rapid multiplication. We're seeing that already in revival. There was a pruning season. Now there's a rapid multiplication season. The Holy Spirit is on the move as they were multiplying. There were rumblings of discontent. As you grow as a church, there's gonna be rumblings of discontent. (sighs) They ran out of coffee today. I know, I saw out there we ran out of hot coffee. There's gonna be some rumblings, you know. Don't let the discontent get in and cause division. Don't let discontent get in and cause division. Even in this season, let's look to Scripture because they show us what to do when these things start to take place. There were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12, the apostles, they called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. There's sometimes, early on in this church, I've had a couple people reach out to me and say, can you do this or can you do this? Can we start this? And typically, they're great ideas, they're programs, their ideas, they're things like that. And I love them. But what I typically tell people is, that sounds like a great idea. I think God is calling you to do it. I think it's a beautiful idea. I think God's put a vision and a picture in your heart. And sometimes we just want, hey, we want Alex to do it for us. No, 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 that's not how it works. 
No, no, he's raising up a church of ministers. And so when he gives you a vision and a calling, you figure out how to do that, how to step into that. You don't just go and say, hey, I, I need you to do this for me. Because guess what? I, in, this, in this model, the biblical framework, what he wants me to do, he's put me in a position where he has sent me. That's what the apostle is. It's somebody that is sent, somebody that's called, somebody sent to go. He has sent me with a call. I need to be dedicated to the word and to prayer. That's what he's called me into. If I get bogged down on food distribution, and I'm not saying that's not important. If I get bogged down on coffee, if I get bogged down, if I get held up on all these things, it keeps me from doing what he's called me to do. But guess what? He's raising up in this season people who have a vision and a call and they want to serve in the house. And he's raising up people to step in where I can't be. He's raising up people to come in and carry the water and serve so that Jesus can turn the water into wine. That's what he's doing in this season for our church. He's raising up people. You're gonna start to see that. In fact, next week, as we're talking about the laying on of hands, we're gonna have a moment at end of service next week where uh, we're gonna lay hands on, on our pastors. I'm gonna lay hands on our pastors and I'm gonna pray over them, the impartation that God has for them to step into their roles and their leadership in this next season. Because that's what we see modeled here. And that's what we're doing. We're going to do whatever the early church did. We're going to model that in our church today because it's a blueprint still today. And so right now, God, we're in a season that God is raising up people. So the brothers, they selected seven men who were well-respected. Everyone liked the idea, and they chose the following. Verse 5, Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. This is what we do. When we call somebody into a new position in the church, we have a moment of laying on of hands. When I, had, uh, when I first had called Brandon and Justin to be elders at our church, we had a moment earlier this year where we had an impartation moment where I laid hands on them. And it was actually initiated by one of our elders, Justin. He said, I, I believe we need to do this. And I said, you're right, we do. And we had a laying on of hands and prayer. And there, there's power that happens. We felt the Holy Spirit without a doubt in that moment. He joined us in that room and there was an impartation that took place. And there was a filling of his presence and power and for wisdom for what they've been stepping into and I've seen that in Brandon and Justin's life this past year as God has grown them up and matured them. He's bringing them closer and closer to completion like what we see in Hebrews 6. That's the goal, to bring us closer and closer to completion, to perfection. That's what we're chasing after in the Spirit. There's a laying on of hands and prayer as new leaders are called into the church. Acts 13, verses 1 through 3. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menean, and Saul. And one day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. 
So after more fasting and prayer, guess what they did? The men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. When there's a calling, when there's a sending out, there's a laying on of hands and prayer. God's going to raise up leaders that are going to be called to be sent out from our church. There's going to be other churches that will be planted out of the house of revival someday. And there's going to be a sending out process. And if you stay in the house, if you stay planted, if you stay patient, guess what? We're going to empower you and we're going to send you off the way that they sent off Barnabas and Saul. And there's some people, if you don't stay patient when you're planted, what you're going to do is you're going to go out and you're going to try and do it on your own. And you're going to try to make things happen. You can do that. You can do a lot out of your own power, your own strength. But you're not building on the foundation that the Holy Spirit has laid out for us in his word. And so I'm telling you, if you have a call in your life and you feel like your call is through this house, a call to ministry, a call to be sent, I don't know what your call is, but I'm telling you right now, if you'll stay planted and patient, God's gonna bring growth at the right time. But it's tough because if he gives you a vision, sometimes when you can see the vision, you can see the the finish line where you want to be, but you don't wanna go through the 10K to get there. You don't want to go through the, what a, how long is a marathon? 27 miles? I don't know. I've never ran a marathon. I never will. Uh, I better not say that. The Lord might make me do that someday. You don't want to go the 27 miles. You just want to be there. But no, you got to do the hard work. You got to go through the middle. You got to stay patient and persevere through the middle. Mark 6, 1 through 6. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. There's a lot of lessons right there. First of all, if you're here and you know, you've known me, you've known Alex, man, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever, and, and you hear me preach or you hear me say something and, and your reaction is, man, I, all you can do is scoff, all you can do is be like, I know who he is, I know what he did back when he was in college, I know, you know, all these things. Well, if you know who I was back in college, you know that the Holy Spirit's done a work in my life, actually. <laughs> like, you know, there's no doubt. But there might be some of you in here, you're like, I can't receive from him. I want, I want to tell you right now, that's okay. Go to a house and get planted in a house that you can receive from because I want you to receive from the Lord. I'm telling you, God establishes all authority and if you'll, if you'll honor the authority he establishes, guess what? He's gonna honor you. You're gonna see, the, you're gonna see honor's reward play out in your life. You're gonna start to see that you can receive from the Lord. You're not receiving from Alex You're receiving from him because he established Alex. I'm nothing unless he establishes me. I've seen it in my life as I've learned to honor the pastors God has placed in my life in Lincoln. As I honor them, 
I've seen what's poured out on their life, what the Holy Spirit has poured out on their ministry. I've already seen it in these last few weeks as we honored them by bringing them in to share with our staff and with our team. I've seen it begin to open doors here for our people already. We're seeing growth happen already. That's because we chose to honor them. If we didn't honor them, we couldn't receive from them. We couldn't receive the anointing, the blessing that they carry. But when you honor those that God has established as authority in your life, guess what? The blessing, the anointing, it flows down into your life. If you want it to flow, let it flow. Show honor. Because guess what? Even Jesus, when he wasn't honored, it doesn't say he wouldn't do miracles. It says he couldn't. It says he couldn't because they wouldn't honor him. Even Jesus So you know it's going to be the same for me because I'm nowhere close. You know it's going to be the same for anybody in this room. We're not even close to Jesus. We have to show honor if we want the blessings to flow. That's honor's reward. But what you see here also is that even when nothing else will work, Because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them, except even when nothing else will work, the laying on of hands still brings a miracle. He couldn't do miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Laying on of hands will work even when nothing else does. Even when you've been to every doctor, even when you've been to every expert. There's one more thing you can try, but we keep putting it off because we're like, that sounds crazy. That's not going to work. If the doctors don't have an answer for my heart condition, there's somebody that needed to hear that right there. (laughs) There's somebody in the room that needed to hear that. Guess what? He's got an answer for you. Faith. Step into faith today. Matthew 8, 1 through 3. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly a man of leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Stir that faith up. Matthew 8, 14 through 15. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. The healing was instant. In a moment. The devil's been trying to get me off this message all week because I've had a great year where I've just seen God heal and do so much. But for some reason this past week, I I just got hit with stuff and my family got hit with stuff. And and we've just had this, this congestion, this sinus, this sore throat. I could barely speak at the beginning of the week. I couldn't even whisper. And I know the devil was trying to get me off this message and say, see, it doesn't work. It's not working. No, no, no. I'm going to lean harder into it. I'm going to lean harder into faith. I'm going to lean harder into believing that I'm going to keep seeking him because I know what his word says. I know what it says over and over, and I'm going to keep believing because I know he still does it. Sometimes we think, no, 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 that went out with the apostles. There's a lot of people that will say all the miracles, the signs, the healings, it went out with the apostles. But go back to Hebrews 6 for a minute. Go back to Hebrews 6. If we're saying the laying on of hands went out with the apostles, do you know what that means? What what else went out with the apostles? What else is listed there in Hebrews 6? Oh, repentance. Oh, so we shouldn't repent anymore. Oh, we shouldn't repent. We should just go on sinning. That's what we should do. We should just keep on living in our filth. 
we don't need repentance. What else goes out? If we, if we throw out the laying on of hands, if we throw out the doctrine of baptisms, if we say, oh, no, there's no baptism of the Holy Spirit anymore. That was only for the book of Acts. That was only for them. Well, what else you got to throw out? You got to throw out repentance. You got you to throw out faith. You got to throw out the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. No, 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 don't believe that lie. When they come to tell you that went out with the apostles, then you tell them, look at Hebrews 6. Did all that go out with the apostles? Should we stop repenting? Should we stop believing for the resurrection? They won't say that. Yeah, there we go. Come on. Church, help me here. The devil's trying to steal my voice, but he can't have it. This voice belongs to the Lord. Let's go. Come on. Matthew 8, 14 through 15. When Jesus arrived, there was healing. She got up and prepared a meal for him. We're starting to see that in this church. There's healings that are taking place, and it's instant. Mark 7, 32 through 35. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. Sometimes it's okay. You, sometimes some of you in here, you're afraid to come forward for prayer for healing. Or maybe even on a Tuesday night, sometimes you're afraid to ask for healing because there, there's just something in you and you're just kind of worried. What are people gonna think? I, I, I get that. And there's moments, there's moments where Jesus will lead you away from the crowd. And he'll say, just come over here. And, and he'll give you that touch, that healing. If you need that, that's okay too. That's why our, our ministry teams, we typically try to line up off to the sides over here so it doesn't feel like you're right up here in the spot like everyone's just staring at you. I, I know that's intimidating. So our ministry teams, they're gonna be in the corners over here if you need prayer today, if you need the laying on of hands for healing, if you wanna receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you want that fresh fire, if you want that fresh filling, don't let the devil try to shame you into staying in your seat today. That's the voice of the devil. Don't listen to him. We rebuke that. Don't let him have that. Jesus, he led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. He put his fingers into the man's ears. I know faith looks weird sometimes. It does. But we let doctors do it. We let doctors jam these little things in our ears, and I've seen them do it to my kids. My kids hate that. I bet they'd much rather prefer the touch of Jesus. There's a lot of things that we think are normal because that's what we see and that's what we've grown up with, up with in this world. But I want to start making Bible things become normal in this church. That's what we're trying to do. We want Bible things to become normal. We want to see healings in this church so God can get all the glory. Then he spit on his own fingers. Some of you are like, I don't want that today. I get it, I get it. He touched the man's tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, epiphata, which means be open. Instantly, the man could hear perfectly, and his tongue was freed so he could speak plainly. Mark 5, 21 through 23. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, he arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and he doesn't say heal her first. He says, lay your hands on her. And he knows that'll bring the healing. There's power. There is ministry in the laying on of hands. Please lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. And he did. Acts 5, 12. And through the hands of the apostles, through the hands of the apostles, 
Many signs and wonders were done among the people. There's a ministry of hands. Acts 19, 11 through 12. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Uh, my friend, Pastor Chris Kildosher, he's got a story of, he, he was down in, I think it was Mexico, right? Where he was doing ministry. And somebody came to him for healing. And he had to leave. He wasn't going to be able to see this person before he had to leave. But this man had a hat. And so he grabbed the hat. This is a true story. He grabbed the hat. And with the man, he prayed over the hat. He prayed for healing. God's healing power to transfer through the hat. And he gave this man the hat. And he had to leave. And one day he came back. And when he came back, the man found him. And he brought the person with him that was healed because when he took the hat to him, there was a miraculous healing that took place. That still happens today. Let him stir your faith up. He's good. There's people in here today that need a miracle that don't believe it's coming. Don't let the devil keep convincing you to doubt, to run to the world. No, 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 he's the healer. He still works and moves. Acts 8, 14 through 18. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. There's healing that happens. There's impartation that happens. There's a receiving of the Holy Spirit that can happen through the laying on of hands. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. He was rebuked for that. But he saw it. You could see it. The tangible presence of the Holy Spirit showing up. Healing. Holy Spirit impartation. These things are still for the church today. Worship team, I want to invite you up as we close. Mark 16, 15 through 18. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Those who believe. Not just the apostles, Those who believe. That's for you today. He wants to stir up your faith, your belief today. I was reading a story last night about a pastor who was down in Texas. And this is back in like the 30s or 40s. 1930 or 40. I know that's a long time ago. It's weird to say. And there was this little old lady that he had met. And, uh, and she had never gone to school. She couldn't read. But she had gone to this revival meeting. And she had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And from that day forward, she was actually able to open up her Bible and read. She couldn't read anything else, but she could read Scripture. Isn't that amazing? And she didn't know how to serve in the church. She, she says, her testimony is really funny. She's like, I didn't have a voice built for singing. <laughs> I wasn't built for the choir. 
I, I, I couldn't teach because I couldn't even read. I, I didn't feel qualified for anything. But one day she came along this passage in Mark 16. And she read that and she said, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. And she said, that's me. They will cast out demons in my name. And they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. And she felt the Holy Spirit quicken that last part to her. And she said, I can do that. I've got hands. I've got faith. I believe. And so she started going and she started walking around her town and asking for anybody that was sick, anybody that needed healing. And she started asking if she could just pray with them and read scripture with them. And she started doing this. She started laying her hands and praying for people and people started getting healed. In fact, eventually it got to the point where the doctor in town, there was somebody that had cancer and he said, it's inoperable. There's nothing we can do. But this person heard about this little old lady and they went to her and she laid hands on this person and they were healed. And they went back to the doctor and the doctor did all the tests and said, this is, this is a miracle. This is the hand of God. You, you were gonna die. There was no way you were supposed to survive this. And so it, it goes on to say that doctor, anytime there was something he couldn't cure, he couldn't help with, he would just send him to this little old lady. They called her Mrs. F. He would just send him to her and they would receive healing through the laying on of hands and through prayer. In fact, that doctor, his son eventually practiced medicine and became a doctor in that town. And, and there was a lady in town that was uh, not able to have a baby. She was infertile. And, uh, and she came to him and she says, is there anything I can do? And he said, no, there's nothing. And, you know, and so she went and, you know, she saw Mrs. F and she got prayed for and, and she went back to the son and said, could you test me again? And he says, no, I, I don't need to test you. I know, like we, we've already tested you. You're not able to have babies. And she said, but I had Mrs. F pray for me. And he said, Mrs. F? My dad's told me about her. <laughs> Isn't that cool? He said, okay, let's do the test. And she was pregnant. It still happens. It's still moving. If you need that today, if you need a fresh touch from the Lord, there's no shame in coming for prayer. There's no shame in the laying on of hands. It's empowering. It's freedom. It's healing. That's what happens. If you just want an impartation, you can receive an impartation today. If you want a fresh feeling of his Holy Spirit, but if you need healing, don't wait. It doesn't matter if it's your soul or if it's your physical flesh that you need healing in. He wants to heal you because that's what he does. That's what he still does and that's what he will do. Don't lose faith today. Let's stand up and worship here.